0: This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The show is Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. I am Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook in the middle of this week. Looking forward to NFL Week 2 here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. And to help us do just that, Will Hill, point spread contributor here at Visa, will be giving us some of his top plays. I know he's got thoughts for Thursday night football and beyond. Plus, he had some interesting, uh, kind of futures bets or angles he was looking at before the season. So maybe we'll get some early overreactions or some certainty still, despite what happened with some of his teams post week one. Afterward, we got Jeff Parles on. He's a weekly regular. He hosted a. Many shows here on Visa and on the weekends and producer of a numbers game. So he's all over the place and we'll get his thoughts also with the NFL this upcoming week. Him and I may be on a similar play that you wouldn't think of. So I'm excited to hear why Jeff is thinking the same I am with one of the Chicago teams. And then later on, since it is the middle of the week, we'll be kind of just taking a moment to look at some of these future Right. I mean, you know, it is week one. It's early, but something that's very valuable and viable at the same time that we did last year during the football season here on Rush Hour was take a look at these updated futures and how they've progressed or altered every single week. And you may think it's not important to look at it either at a weekly basis or even after week one. But honestly, I think there are some valuable outlooks as of this point. So we'll kind of just do that pretty much once a week to keep you updated in that realm. And to get things started off like we typically do in the middle of the week, let's continue our segment on that. You know, we started last week, and we're going to keep it going. And that's the biggest line movements heading in the upcoming NFL week. And week two is obviously what we're looking forward to. And there have been some significant line movements, whereas in week one, yeah, there was a decent amount, but, you know, it was kind of all over the place because a lot of these got posted so far in the beginning of the summer, middle of the summer, wherever it was. But now that we have a general understanding, or at least a minimal, I guess, understanding of some of these teams and somewhat of a basis of what they did last week, we can get a better gauge of how to handicap them potentially heading into the upcoming slate. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. And let's start with the first game of NFL Week 2 being Thursday Night Football, the G-Men taking on the Washington football team. Now, of course, this one was going to see some movement considering that Ryan Fitzpatrick been real absent for this game and then for the next eight weeks uh, t- uh taylor henneke is going to be the quarterback we saw him last year and you know he was okay and when he filled in last week he was also fine but is he going to do enough to overcome the giants well washington did open as a four point favorite currently at bet rivers you're seeing them laying three in the hook so you are still over the key number of three total has seen more movement actually though 42 and a half down to about as we're seeing it at Bet rivers money line you got Washington Lane minus minus one sixty-seven at the moment, plus one forty-five for the Giants. We were talking with Ryan Rothstein about this Giants team yesterday, and you know, uh, to use him, I'm, I'm not even paraphrasing; I think verbatim, it was a dumpster fire. Are the New York Giants as of this moment? Because you also have to consider that yes, that offensive line is atrocious, and Saquon Barkley is questionable heading into this game. So even though you don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starter, this Washington defense still has a bigger advantage. If Gibson's a go and he's going to be healthy, should be fine. And Heineke should be able to get it to still some of the solid receivers. Logan Thomas, McLaurin had an incredible catch, and some of the other company that is presented for that Washington offense. So I don't think it's complete panic mode for Washington, especially when it comes to this Thursday night football matchup. So I, I get the reasoning for why the immediate thought would be to go to the Giants, but it's still over that key number, so it's not incredibly significant going from four to three and a half, but what is more significant, as we alluded to, is that total of 42 and a half down to 40 and a half, and that is the right move, let's be honest, even if it Patrick was playing in this game, because honestly, the offense wasn't looking too great, I mean, you know, whether or not he was going to be in, but I think it's going to be relied more so on that ground game for Washington with Gibson, and the Giants on the other side, even if they can get any offense, whether or not Saquon's going, you're stuck going against one of the top defenses in the league in Washington. So the movement to the under is the appropriate move, in my opinion, although it's a little bit too low right now at 40 and a half. If you did get in early enough, tip of the cap to you because I think that is the right call in this Thursday night football matchup. Let's go ahead, skip over to Sunday. Let's start with Saints taking on the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans just absolutely dominating Aaron Rodgers and company. But we're seeing them just as a three and a half point favorite over the Panthers, who themselves had a good performance, albeit against the Jets. But this line opened two and a half. Now it's up to three and a half in favor of the Saints. We know all the COVID issues they've been dealing with. They're offensive coaches, but Sean Payton doesn't seem too flustered by it. Although, you know, he's probably just putting on, you know, a mask to make his team feel confident. I mean, why wouldn't you? But look, I mean, the Saints should be the better team in this game. But was week one just a fluke and the Packers were that bad? And at the same time, can the uh, can the Carolina Panthers do well enough to cover over that key number three? They certainly could. I, I think this game at this point, now that it's at three and a half, to me, is kind of a stay away. But at two and a half, yeah, absolutely, the movement's going to go toward New Orleans, which we saw. Uh, in terms of the total, you've actually seen it go toward the under. 46 down to 44 and a half, probably because of the offensive coordinator kind of issues with the Saints. Maybe it's going to be a little bit rustier all over the place. But nevertheless those are the movements you've seen with the saints and the panthers i think this one is more of an in-game betting opportunity to me don't have too much of a grasp on it pre-flop for the saints and the panthers now let's take a look in philly the eagles taking on the 49ers noon kickoff central time and philly's catching three a hook currently but san francisco did open about three so a little bit of movement has gone toward the 49ers this one wasn't too crazy But you did still see some, a little, you know, more movement go toward the total from 48 to 49.5. Now is where we're seeing it at Bat Rivers. Uh, Again, you know, is this Philly team, we talk about flukes, is what they did against the Falcons a fluke? Or was it more so that Atlanta was just that bad of a team? Or can we actually rely on Jalen Hurts to be a solid quarterback? Can we rely on this Philadelphia offense to be consistent and to keep moving the ball down the field? And can the defense do well enough against the San Francisco team that got out to a great start against Detroit, but then got lazy, took their foot off the pedal, and barely held on to get that win? Uh, I think this could be a spot where, look, you know, if that Falcons game was closer, if it was more realistic of how it should have been played or what we expected it to play, you'd probably see San Francisco as a four or four and a half point favorite, Or even if they didn't almost blow it against the Lions. The total going over, though, makes sense to me, moving in that direction. As good as the San Francisco defense, we're assuming it's going to be this season, I still think Philadelphia should be able to find enough momentum offensively to contribute. And defensively, not completely sold on them just yet. You have the injuries in the backfield with San Francisco, but enough talent around them to still suffice regardless of that devastating news. So three and a half currently for San Fran. Totals up to 49 and a half. But let's move on to one that we actually have seen some good movement. and That is the Patriots taking on the Jets. Three and a half New England opened at. Now they're up to five and a half against Zach Wilson and company. 43 was the opener for the total. Ticked down a little bit to 42 and a half if you're interested in the money line. Patriots laying minus a buck or minus 240, excuse me, uh, plus 205 on the buyback for the Jets. Zach Wilson didn't look terrible, but the realization based on how many times he got sacked is that this Jets team is going to get him destroyed. Maybe like we saw with Joe Burrow last season. Hopefully not, of course, but, you know, this Jets team didn't have high hopes coming into the season, and they pretty much proved that in week one, especially with the offensive line looking abysmal. Again, Wilson wasn't awful, but he's not getting a lot of time. He's not getting a lot of help, and it's only going to get tougher against, you know, arguably a better team in the Patriots than the Panthers were. So the line movement going toward New England makes sense to me, especially considering that Mac Jones had the highest QBR among the rookie quarterbacks in week one. Look, they did fine. They didn't get the job done. But I think that game is more so of a learning process for Mac Jones and still did fairly solid in it. Five and a half is kind of in that awkward spot. It's not like you're around that key number at this point. I think if you're playing this one, you still look to go with New England at minus five and a half. Heck, if it even gets higher, you could entertain the idea of a teaser. It wouldn't fit the bill of being the road favorite of around seven or over seven, rather. But, you know, there are some exceptions, and it could be with the Patriots in this week two matchup against the Jets. Uh, then this next one we talked about briefly yesterday, the Seahawks and the Titans. Seattle opened six, down to five in some spots, but at Bet Rivers, now it's five and a half. I actually agree with that because I was very close to considering taking the points with the Titans at five and a half, ultimately stayed away, but love this total going over. 52 and a half is where it opened. I grabbed it at 53. Now you're seeing it at 54. The Titans' defense still contri- uh Continued to have a lot of woes, especially in the secondary. And then on the other side with Seattle, I mean, you know, they're still not going to be that great against the pass, and the Titans aren't going to have as bad of an effort as they did last week, in my opinion. So absolutely agree with this move toward the over against Nagdat at 53. If you still like it, 54, I mean, a point difference, yeah, it's pretty substantial when it's already that high, but I still think the over is the move in this game with the Titans and Seahawks, as is indicated by the movement. Now, speaking of a game going toward the over, how about the Chargers and the Cowboys? 52 and a half this one open. 55 is what it's up to. I think I even saw it at 50 and a half in some spots, but look, I mean, we know the Cowboys offense is going to be solid. Justin Herbert and company have enough capability offensively themselves to take advantage of this lackluster Dallas defense. So yeah, this game has overwritten all over it as we've seen it move. 52 and a half up to 55. Spread really hasn't altered too much. Three is where it opened dipped down to two and a half briefly, but then it came back up to three. And honestly, I, I think if you're getting three or above, and I love this Chargers team, but I think it's hard not to look toward the Cowboys there considering the offensive depth they have and capability, and they should still be able to expose this Chargers defense. So if it's getting higher, I think you look toward Dallas, but absolutely the over with the Cowboys and the Chargers. And then finally, after that Monday night football 30. debacle, Chiefs and Ravens, Kansas City goes from two and a half up to three and a half. Total open 55 and a half, so it was already high, but now it's dipped down a little bit just to 55. But all the love is going to Kansas City against Baltimore, who, you know, wasn't bad, but still has some issues in the backfield. Mar Jackson didn't look bad throwing the ball, still improvising and dominating. But the betting market early on is loving this Chiefs team from two and a half up to three and a half All right, that's some of the early movements for NFL week two. Let's get some plays from Will Hill next.
2: Offer valid on select AK systems, through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
5: Hey guys, it's Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the fade this podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs?
6: This is Rush Hour on VCN, the Sports Betting
4: Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. The Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh city casts are up and running. With five new episodes every single week, check it out with your local city cast, wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Apple, all of those areas we've got you covered with Bet Rivers. Well, welcome back to the show. It is Rush Hour here on V C Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed River Sportsbook at Danny Burke5, is where you can catch me on Twitter. And like we were just talking about the city cast, I host the Chicago one. So be sure to check it out. You can hear all my rants all season long on the Bears, Matt Nagy, Andy Dalton, and uh, whether or not we think Justin Fields is going to be the consistent starter. So it's gonna be fun. As is this week too, slate of NFL games. And to help us get into all the fun, Will Hill joining us now, Point Spread Weekly Contributor and you know, Will, when we've had you on in the past year on the show, a team you like to talk about a decent amount were the Atlanta Falcons, and I consider them a question mark team in the sense that the ceiling could be high or they could still be the same Falcons. After week one, their odds to make the playoffs now are at 5-1. to one. Win total is set at 6. Uh, where's your confidence level with them, and what do you think kind of – it's early, but the rest of the season entails for this team.
3: Uh depleted, uh depleted depleted, depleted probably be my best my best word best for uh, word for, uh <laughs> for the falcons for, uh, at, this at this moment um you know a bad preseason when that carries over into the regular season i think that's a big cause for concern i mean preseason's one thing but when you know you're bad in the preseason and then you know, what we see in week 1 is the same as what we saw in the preseason That is not a good sign uh they were smoked they just really thoroughly dominated in all aspects and they got down 32 to 6 and they didn't even put up you know any points any garbage yards usually you get down that big you know you do a little window dressing you come back and you make it look respectable uh not the case there still wouldn't give up on them yet it's one week we have a tend to overreact you know good or bad to week one but uh obviously not a promising week one for atlanta
4: all right. Well, speaking of maybe not overreacting, can we do that for Thursday night football with Washington and the Giants? I mean, look, the Giants look bad in week one, but maybe that's not shocking. And Washington having a new quarterback in the mix, not completely new, as we've seen Ida keep playing last season and obviously got a taste of him last week. But Washington's lane three in the hook. The total has dipped down to 40 and a half. How do you handicap this primetime game?
3: Yeah, kind of missing the best of the number. I would look towards the points. I would look towards the under. Uh, we've seen this before Thursday night where we get sloppy play, ugly games. These teams don't have a lot of time to repair them. I mean, you think about it, it's less than 100 hours. The Giants play the late game Sunday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. And now they got to travel and play uh, in Washington. You figure, I mean, Heineke's a decent backup quarterback. But look, I mean, they're going to be probably pretty conservative. The Giants have trouble blocking. That's not a great matchup from their standpoint. So you missed the best of the number, 41, 42. Those are key numbers. Uh, you know, he was talking about three and seven being key numbers in terms of the, the, uh, the side, 41 and 42 are key numbers. So you probably miss the best of the number. Maybe a first half under is the way to go. I think it's going to be a typical Thursday night, you know, divisional game, ugly, you know, low scoring. So I would still lean towards the under there.
4: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I do think you missed the ship a little bit, but the alternative route could be looking at that first half under, as you alluded to. But then, Will, kind of going back to that quarterback situation, does this scare you for the rest of the season with Washington? Because this was the biggest problem for them, not having a quarterback, and that's why they bring in a guy like Fitzpatrick. So where's your confidence level with Washington?
3: You know, it's funny. I have a big Washington play for the under, and part of the reason was I thought the defense was a little overrated, but part of it I thought Fitzpatrick is overrated. I mean, this guy's been on you know every single team. He's on a new team every year. So it's funny. Most teams, you bet the under, they lose a starting quarterback. You can just basically wait to cash your ticket. I mean, think if the Chiefs lost Mahomes or the Green Bay lost Rodgers. With Washington, I don't downgrade him that much. I mean, Heineke, we saw what he could do in the wild card round last year versus Tampa. He played as well versus them as anyone pretty much. Um, You know, Got to see more, obviously, from Heineke, but I don't think it's a huge downgrade. Anytime you lose your starter, it is a downgrade. But look, Fitzpatrick, we all love him. We all love the beard. He was a reckless style of play, which we all kind of like. But, you know, i I was just not a fan. I thought he was too reckless. I thought, you know, every time he got a starting job, there was a reason he lost it. Too turnover prone. So, you know, obviously a downgrade probably to Heineke, but I don't think it's a huge downgrade.
4: Okay, well, uh, let's look ahead a little bit to a different game. Because uh, I don't want to spend as much time on that, Will, because personally I took over eight with Washington, so I'm salty about it. No, I'm just playing, man. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, you and I are on the same page, at least for this next game, I know. Raiders-Steelers, uh, how about the total aspect in this one? 47 is where it's listed. And earlier this week, a book here in Illinois may or may not have had a 49 and a half listed, and I took advantage of that. We've seen it go all the way down now to 47 in some spots and that's where it is at Bet rivers are you thinking this is going to be a shorter tempo maybe you know shorter scoring game
3: yeah i would probably lead towards the under I, my play is actually on the side here i like the steelers i think this isn't a bad spot for the raiders this is a horrendous spot short week uh going west to east they're off not only a, you know a long game an emotional game but one they win so they come in flying high maybe the same level of detail isn't there this week This is a 9 Eastern kickoff for the Raiders because they're playing at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Like I said, short week. They're kind of a soft team. They're not as good on the offensive line as they were. They're not great on defense. They come in flying high. Pittsburgh, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be long term, but early in the year, Roethlisberger, you figure his arm will be in good shape. And I just think this is a really bad spot here for the Raiders off a short week and what was an emotional, just a wild game Monday night. I mean, that's about as crazy a game as you'll ever see. So... I'm not sure they're going to have the same level of focus this week. I, I like the, Ra- uh, the Steelers here, and I like them big.
4: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Not that it's like a letdown game because it's different in the NFL, but it has that type of feel after that debacle that we saw on Monday night. And even more so, you know, the Raiders' offense will be fine, but you're going against one of the top defenses in Pittsburgh. And on the contrary, Pittsburgh's offense was slow to get off the gates. But they'll take advantage, especially on the ground against This Raiders defense. So Najee Harris could have a big day and I'm kind of on the same thinking with you. I think the Steelers cover that five and a half spot. Uh, And then speaking of five and a half spot, Will, what about the Patriots and Jets here? New England is laying five and a half in this game. But this total has also seen a little bit of movement from 43 down to 42 and a half. Do you agree with the movement toward New England? And then what are your thoughts on this total?
3: Yeah, I lean under again. The total, st- I mean, the side is tricky just because, man, the Patriots, their style with a rookie quarterback, defensive oriented, it's almost a, a, an old school Belichick team when Brady was a rookie where they're just going to play close to the vest. They're going to play conservative. So it's hard to lay points, especially on the road. Um, so I would lean towards the under. It's interesting here. You got uh, The public, I think, is going to be on the Patriots. First of all, they love the, the fade, uh, the Jets. You got a couple anglers. You got uh, Belichick off of a loss, and you got Belichick against a rookie quarterback. Both of those are favorable to the Patriots. So, you know, I'm not opposed to putting the Patriots maybe in the teaser side. I think they'll win the game. I just don't trust in the late points. I just think both teams with a rookie quarterback will be very conservative. I think the Patriots will go into this game and say, look, we lost last week because of a turnover. If they don't fumble, they probably win that game. They'll go into this game saying, you know what? Patriots aren't, I mean, the Jets aren't going to score more than, you know, 14 points against us. Uh, They'll probably turn Wilson over, throw him some looks he's not seen before. You know, it's a good matchup for the Patriots, this Patriots defense and Belichick, who can throw the kitchen sink at you against a rookie quarterback. So I, I think the Patriots will come in this, be conservative, rely on the running game, the defense. You know, if you have to kick field goals, you kick field goals. Let's just not turn it over and let's get out of here with, you know, a 20 to 16 type of win. So I think it'll be low scoring, and I would lean towards the under here.
4: Yeah, I, I kind of like your line of thinking here. I mean, this Jets offensive line is going to get Zach Wilson just pummeled on a consistent basis. And you're right, Joe yep. should good point. be. Yep. <laughs> and he should be a guy that could take advantage of that. And then at the same time, you talk about New England. You know, Mac Jones was fine, but they really implemented the run game with Damian Harris getting, what, like 23 carries or something like that. So it could be kind of a slower, methodical game. And under 42 and a half, I'm kind of with you there. I think that could be a good look for the Patriots and Jets. But Will, let's uh let's switch over to baseball before we let you go. We got about 90 seconds, my friend. I know you got some thoughts on the West Coast tonight with San Fran taking on the Padres. We cashed in on the Giants last night. How are you thinking they play tonight, though, against San Diego?
3: Yeah, man. If you if you could just get this recorded right now, I like the Giants. You could have just played it. From this season going forward the 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 previous from april until now they've just been an atm it's unbelievable it's really one of the great upset stories in baseball history one of the great long shots if they're able to hold on and win this division which it looks like they probably will man they just win every night i mean i think you're up like 30 plus units if you just bet them blindly it's really been incredible they just the market hasn't caught up to how good they are the market just doesn't believe doesn't believe for whatever reason they don't have the big names And then there's the Padres on the other hand, which is just, man, you're lighting money on fire. They have all the big names, and they just haven't lived up to it. They're probably not even going to make the playoffs, which is just a bitter disappointment when you look at that pitching staff, the talent. So I'm just going to go back to the well here and take the Giants and really just uh, what a season they've had. Really incredible.
4: It really is insane, Will. You're right. I mean, it's just an absolute cash cow with this Giants team where it seems like the bookmakers and the operators just refuse to adjust to it. I mean, even, you know, in terms of winning the division for the longest amount of time, and it's still a close race with the Dodgers, but you're right. Take advantage of the Giants while you still can before it gets even tougher throughout the postseason. But, hey, Will, uh, we're up against it, my man. Appreciate you giving us some NFL look-aheads as well as baseball tonight.
3: DB, anytime, man. Appreciate it. Love your show. VEASAN.com slash subscribe, as always. Appreciate it. Thanks.
4: About it, Appreciate You can check out Point Spread Weekly, where Will is contributing all the time. And not only that, it's on a plethora of other shows here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Not The Will Hill is where you can follow him on the tweets. All righty, coming up next, we got another recent contributor. How about Jeff Parles? We're talking NFL with Jeff and that Bears game. We may be on the same side. Stick around. We'll let you know what it is next.
0: This is Rush Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting
4: Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. And you can do that by starting your VSN free trial today, where you get full access to our sports betting experts, which include 24/7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every single game. Plus, you get full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for just $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's V-S-I-N slash subscribe. All righty, welcome back to Rush Hour here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed River Sportsbook, just outside of Chicago in Des Illinois. But we're heading out to Sin City out on the West Coast. Jeff Parles joining us now. You can follow along on Twitter at Jeff Parles, producer of a numbers game and fellow VEASAN host on the weekends. And Jeff, uh, you know, like we typically do, I I want a summation of your week one NFL betting. How did you do this past week? Which teams ticked you off and which teams were beneficial to your bankroll?
6: Danny, thanks for having me as always. Uh, First off, uh, the team that did me the worst, because Danny, as we know we only remember what we lose more than what we win in this thing uh the the, the New York the New York Giants uh were a giant disappointment uh I I did not intend to do that wording but it is what it is uh they looked horrible uh they made Teddy Bridgewater look like Kyler Murray who obviously Arizona was one of the best stories of week 1 but the Giants disappointed me on on the bad side uh for the betting side for the good side of the betting side uh was, was the Cardinals the Cardinals uh, decimated the Titans, the uh, Kyler Murray looked great, that defense looked awesome, and Tennessee looked completely lost. So uh, the, the NFC, the NFC was the theme for me. Giants on the bad side, the Cardinals on the good side, We won. All
4: right, well, speaking of the Giants, Jeff, let's get right into it with tomorrow's matchup. The G-Men take it on the Washington football team. Three and a half is what Washington's laying at, Bed Rivers. Total is dipped down to 40 and a half. You fade the G-men with Saquon questionable right now in the you know new quarterback situation for Washington.
6: Uh, well, Danny. First off, I would say you'd you'd expect Barkley to play. He just might be on a pitch count tomorrow, so uh, I, I expect him to be in there. Uh, I'm not certain that Washington isn't better with he- with Heineke in there as opposed to Fitzpatrick. Now we only saw Fitzpatrick for half the game until that hip subluxation took place so again we'll never we won't know uh until pitt is able to come back but look uh I, he Heineke last year of course in the uh in the playoff game against tampa looked good he was fine in that second half against the chargers uh a little bit concerned about the washington defense that seems to be an overrated unit coming into the season uh they were they were pretty lucky last week against the chargers herbert and company did whatever they wanted they just didn't take advantage of their opportunities in the red zone, or that scoreline would have looked a lot uglier than the 20 to 16. But with that said, Danny, the, the Giants' offensive line is a disaster. And if this Washington defensive line is anywhere near as good as we think it is or can be, they will have a field day, and they will turn Daniel Jones over multiple times. So I am looking at the Washington football team I'm much more interested in a three, even if you have to lay a dollar twenty, as opposed to the three and a half. And I also think the under is pretty good here. I'm not certain either team's getting more than 24 in this game. I, I think that's the high water mark. Sure, 24-20 can beat you here, uh, but 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 to me, a, a 21-17 game, uh, a 20 to 13 game, I, I expect a lower scoring game between these two teams. So I looked at the under and I looked at a home team on a Thursday night just outside of D.C. Yeah, and I think of what you
4: said is a pretty important point that a lot of people maybe think Heineke being implemented isn't the worst situation or that big of a downgrade. And that's pretty much reflected by not that much of a movement uh, toward the G-men. Four in some spots, just down to three and a half, but you're still over that key number of three. So I think you're right, at least especially tomorrow night against this Giants team that is going to, I I don't know, probably be abysmal for this season, but nothing they did last week gives me any confidence for wanting to take the points with them. So I think it's a good spot for Washington. Like you said, maybe worth laying, you know, 10 cents more to get that minus three. So you're at the key number. And again, we talked about it with Will Hill before you, but uh, the under certainly could be a viable option as well for Thursday night football. But Jeff, let's move on to your favorite team. The Jets taking on the Patriots. Now this has seen big line movement. Patriots up to minus five and a half. They open three and a half. Total, we're seeing 42 in the hook. Zach Wilson was okay, at least in my opinion, Jeff. I mean, the offensive line, you know, is going to be disastrous for him this whole season. And Bill Belichick and company certainly could take advantage of that. Mac Jones looked pretty efficient, had the highest QBR among rookie quarterbacks in week one. Five and a half's in that awkward spot that we talk about a lot, but even though it's at the five in the hook, do you look to fade your boys or do you trust them here?
6: So, Danny, I'll say this: uh, I watched every snap of that jet Panther game. If the quarterbacks were swapped in that game, if Darnold was still a Jet and Wilson ended up a Carolina Panther, Carolina would have been up 31-0 at halftime. Uh, Wilson, I thought, played very well in the second half with his offensive. His offensive line nearly got him killed on most multiple occasions, and that is going to be a big issue moving forward. The Patriots played a pretty odd game against Miami. They seemed to be the better team in that game, but the turnovers ended up being the difference. Miami did their smoke and mirrors act yet again, where they force turnovers and don't do much on offense, but find a way because they're opportunely timed turnovers that they're forced. Uh, Danny, I'm looking more at the total here more than the side. Uh, there are plenty of sixes in the market. I think that's solid on the Jets, but it wouldn't shock me if a the, if the bell check against the rookie quarterback, as we've seen. In the past, the Jets really struggled to score. And the Jets' defense in the second half played pretty well against Carolina. A lot of those numbers just got inflated because Christian McCaffrey, Danny, it is a joy to see him healthy again. That guy is so good, and he really pushed Carolina's numbers up from what they really were in that game just because of how electric he is. And I'm not certain anyone's really going to move the ball in this game. I on the On the look ahead, it was 44. Uh, some spots right now you can still get forty-two and a half. This is another one I like under Danny. I don't see how we're getting points, getting both teams into the honestly. I don't think we're getting either team into the twenties in this game. So I like this game under the forty-two and a half or forty-two that's out there right now.
4: Yeah, Bet Rivers forty-two and a half, so can still pull the trigger on that under with the Jets and the Patriots. And then finally, Jeff, boy, I'm excited for this one. How about the Bears and the Bengals? I talked about this game yesterday. I played the Bears on the money line here, was willing to lay a little bit more for the security because you know, the Bears are going to make you sweat it out regardless. But to me, looking at what happened Sunday night football was expected out of the Chicago team. Nothing that happened really surprised me. You had good expectations of Montgomery, and he, he fulfilled those and then some. Uh, if they're going to keep using fields at least a little bit in the red zone, that's good. Revenge factor jokingly for Andy Dalton, but even more importantly, the Bengals allow the Vikings to sack Burrow five times. The Bears should, you would be able to take advantage of that. Uh, the money line has come down to minus 141. I got minus 150. Spread is at 2.5, keeps bouncing back and forth. Total, we're seeing 45. Jeff, are we both going to be riding my Bears this weekend?
6: Danny, I actually like that minus 140 more than the one I was going to give you there, actually. Uh, I, I I would rather have the minus 140 on the money line than the two and a half uh, right down. Look, I, Danny, I don't know about you. Uh, I know you're in Chicago, so the view's a little bit different. I didn't think the Bears played as poorly as the final score indicated on Sunday night football. They convert even one of those fourth downs early in the game, turn that into points, or, I mean, if Dalton just doesn't throw the interception on the opening drive, this is a potentially totally different ball game. I'm not saying they win. But at least it's a a 10-point game. Maybe even they cover the the early numbers of 7.5 on the Sunday night. Now, look, their defense didn't look particularly good, but I think the Rams' offense is going to end up being one of the three or four best in the whole league. So I'm not really reading too much into it. And look, Danny, you bring up a good point. The Minnesota Vikings, who I think their defense stinks. I'm not a big fan of their pass rush. Five sacks against Burrow. I I think Chicago with Khalil Mack is going to be able – to do whatever they want against that offensive line. Now the Bears' offensive line sticks too, uh, so that could be an issue. But the Bengals' pass rush, isn't, it's all right. Uh, Trey Hendrickson's obviously a really good player who they got from New Orleans this offseason with losing Lawson uh, to the Jets. But uh, look, I look, money line on the Bears, Bears two and a half. Uh, there's some two in the market as well. Uh, th- th- that would be what I've been looking at, at the Bears getting their first win of the season.
4: Jeff and I both on the Bears. What could go wrong, baby? Can't wait for that game, as I'm sure many people <laughs> here in the Chicagoland area with the potential for the first win of the season in the home opener for Chicago. Hey, Jeff, I'm at, as always, appreciate you ha- or appreciate you coming on. And, look, we'll be rooting for your Jets. Hopefully we can get a Jets and potentially a Bears win here for us and we can be happy about our teams for once. Until then, take care, my friend. Of course,
6: Danny. Of course, thanks for having me as always, buddy. As always.
4: At Jeff Parles on Twitter is where you can follow him, catch him producing a numbers game, hosting on the weekends here as well at VEASAN. Check it out, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Gets you in tune with all the in-depth knowledge, college football, NFL baseball, live in-game opportunities, reactions, and much more. Jeff delivers it all, baby. All right, speaking of delivering, let's get you some of those futures odds updated early on in the NFL, which could be an interesting spot to jump in on early. We will let you know next here on Rush Out.
6: This is Rush Hour on v the
0: Sports Betting Network.
4: Bet River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. Bet Rivers has it covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays in all of the pro football matchups, plus They're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread Challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to bet. Offers valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with it. Colorado, 1 800 522 Michigan, 1 800 270 1 532 In Virginia, And Iowa, call 1 800. That's off. All righty. Well, welcome back to it as we are about to wrap up another edition of Rush Hour here on VCD Sports Betting Network. We are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook, and we do have some breaking news. In the NFL and some unfortunate news at that, Todd Archer, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Dallas Cowboys. He reports that Dallas Cowboys defensive end, and this on Twitter, by the way, at Todd Archer, uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence suffered a broken foot in practice today and will miss an undetermined amount of time, according to sources. Cowboys' best defensive player is out. What does that mean in the NFC East for this Cowboys team? It's brutal. I mean, look. You know, you bring on Micah Parsons, you're trying to improve this defense, and now your top dog is out of the mix. That is going to be very, very tough for this Dallas team that struggles immensely on that side of the ball regardless. And, you know, we'll talk about Dallas a little bit later, but, you know, their next matchup against the Chargers is going to be a tough one. Regardless, on the road, just got even more strenuous. So DeMarcus Lawrence with the broken foot out for an undetermined amount of time. But here as we're wrapping up Rush Hour, I want to give away a play that I do have for tonight briefly before we bring it back to the NFL and look into the future's discussions. I did have one play in baseball this evening. We'll touch on it very briefly. Last night I had a nice winner with the Giants and looking to continue that this evening with the New York Mets. Don't think I bet the Metropolitans this season, but hopefully they bring us luck tonight as they are hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. And the biggest reason I'm fading the Cardinals tonight is, well, one, the Cardinals have won their last four in a row, beat the Mets 7-0 and 7-6 in 11 innings last night. Mets still hanging on barely for their postseason lives. But again, it also revolves around who's pitching. For St. Louis, it's John Lester, who has been very profitable if you've been fading him, although as of late in this latter half of the season has actually been doing very well. But still, his overall number's not great. 5.19 XFIP overall. Almost a 5.00 ERA on the road this season, but a 5.75 XFIP on the road, so he's tremendously worse on the road. He did go up against the Mets once when he was a part of Washington, got the job done. The Nats won 6-2, only allowed two earned runs, seven hits, and six innings pitched. But again, I just don't trust his Cardinals offense to continue it up against the Mets tonight, who has McGill taking the bump, who is pretty solid at home. 3.76 XFIP overall, excuse me, but uh, at home, 3.68 XFIP with a 3.80 ERA at home. And even more so, the line movement has been huge in favor of the Mets. Minus 145 up to minus 167. I laid minus 163 on the money line. I get it steep, but if you feel comfortable, and I think the Mets are the right move here. Total we're seeing at about 8.5. That's ticked up from 8 to 8.5 but the Mets have been hitting very well in September despite dropping their last two, 790 OPS. And look, the Cardinals against righties are hitting 691 this season. They do a little bit better against lefties. Don't trust the consistency to continue for St. Louis. Played the New York Mets minus 163 on the money line tonight at home against St. Louis. Okay, enough baseball, folks, because we are in the midst of the NFL season. So, of course, we want to focus primarily on that. Who wouldn't? We're excited for week two, baby. But uh, also the areas we are excited in are the futures department. And what the beautiful thing about it is, is Bet Rivers does a great job of updating these odds consistently after each and every week, whether it's MVP, all the player awards, uh, division odds, and all that good stuff. Season win totals, too. But I did just want to point out where these updated odds have moved to as of this point i get it it's early it's just going into week two but still very interesting to note and just important to realize where they started and where they've been moving let's go with mvp here patrick mahomes at the top of the list currently plus 450 to be your nfl mvp heading into week two tom brady follows him at eight to one kyler murray with a great performance in week one is listed at 11 to one Matt Stafford, also 11-1. Josh Allen, despite the loss, is 12-1. Russell Wilson, 13-1. Aaron Rodgers, 16-1. Prescott, 16-1. How about Jameis Winston at 16-1 for some of the top guys for NFL MVP? Now, the things that stick out to me, first and foremost, it's a pretty sizable gap between Mahomes and the rest of the company for just heading in to Week 2. I mean, he was very solid per usual last week but it wasn't anything different than we've been accustomed to with mahomes that's what's kind of funny and you know almost ironic in the sense that he does so many great things consistently that we're just accustomed to it we're comfortable with it i get that he should be at the top of the mvp list but maybe not by that wide of a margin if we're looking at it from a betting angle it seems too wide for this early of a mark also when you look at a guy like kyler murray and i don't want to freak out about kyler murray but you know i'm a pretty big fan of murray since last season But if we're being truthful about him, at 11-1, to you know, this kid has all the capabilities skill-wise to be the MVP. He can pad those stats on the ground, in the air, and he has enough weapons surrounding him. But can he do that constantly this season? And can they win those 50-50 ball games that they didn't last year? Great start week one. Kyler Murray has all the tools. If he can do it for a majority of the season, then 11-1, to very good value for Kyler Murray. What about Stafford, also in the same range at about 11-1? Could Matt Stafford be a viable play? I think he was about 16-1 prior. But look, he went 20-26 to against the Bears, who, you know, predominantly have a good defense. I know, you know, I was at least assuming him to torch him up, which he kind of did. But, you know, 321 yards against his Bears defense, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You're taking on the Colts team that didn't do too great in Week 1. These odds could shift pretty dramatically for Stafford. He has all the weapons around him. He's got Sean McVay scheming for him. Finally, some good material to work with. Stafford could be a good option if you're looking to just get value, at least, and where the number's going to move. Stafford's going to get into the single digits, in my opinion, sooner rather than later. And also, if they're not going to utilize their run game as much because of the uncertainty there, they've got the weapons for him to throw to, and he may be relied upon to do that a lot. Uh, And then finally, pretty much just Russell Wilson. When we're looking at this, Russell Wilson at 13-1, Josh Allen 12-1. Based on what we saw last week, wouldn't you think that Russell Wilson would be either tied or ahead of Josh Allen? And I get you don't want to overreact to what happened in week one, but Russell Wilson had a great performance in that game. Four touchdowns, no picks, only threw 23 times, didn't need to throw that much. 254 yards in the air, but here's the catch. They're playing the Titans this upcoming week, and he's going to pad those stats even more so. Probably add on at least four more touchdowns, so his odds will drop, no doubt about that. And I'm not saying that you know uh, Josh Allen isn't going to have the capability of being an MVP. He has all the talent there as well. But based on what we saw last week, you know, Russell Wilson maybe should have dropped a little bit more so. He's always in that MVP discussion, and you could take advantage of it early now rather than later, especially after week two when he's going to take advantage and obliterate this Titans secondary. So that's really the notable things when it comes to the MVP race. Uh, let's move on to a division really quick that I think is just kind of interesting to look at. Then we'll touch on Offensive Rookie of the Year. How about the NFC West? The Rams are now 2-1 to for the division. 49ers plus 210. Seahawks plus 260. And the Cardinals plus 525. Not too much of a shift, but this is going to be the most volatile division more than likely. And I just want to keep an eye on this as we go on throughout the week. I think this division is going to have its moments where you could pick them and maybe it won't because it's going to come down to the wire, but just wanted to note these out, and when you're looking at what happened, I'm still not sold on the Seahawks down in the long run. 49ers had a bad second half or bad fourth quarter, but they'll be okay. Rams will still be fine. They look great uh, week one. The Cardinals have the best value there, of course, but I just don't think they're going to be able to do it consistently, but just want to throw that out there. Keep an eye on this NFC West to see if there is a right moment to jump in on it. Where there is a right moment to jump in on it, Potentially, at least uh, the offensive rookie of the year. Not too much movement. You're still getting Trevor Lawrence at the top, five to one. Mac Jones, five to one. Trey Lance, field six to one. And Najee Harris is seven to one. Look, Najee pretty much played, I think, in every single snap last game. So if you want to take that into account, maybe he's going to get the biggest workload aside from the quarterbacks. But what about Mac Jones at five to one? You know, his odds didn't really shift at all. He went 29 to 39, 281 passing yards, one touchdown. Had the highest QBR among rookie QBs at 75.1. He's getting Miami this week, who's solid defensively, but still should be able to do well enough. And Trevor Lawrence had three touchdowns, but also three interceptions, and is going to have a very brutal year for the remainder of the season. Heck, Mac Jones might be the play right now, and I know a lot of people thought that even before week one because he was implemented as a consistent starter, but based on what we saw last week, or excuse me, he's not playing Miami this week. He's playing the Jets. They played Miami last week. It's even more favorable for Mac Jones because he's going against this Jets team. His odds might move down a little bit more so. So if you want to jump on something for Offensive Rookie of the Year, take a look at Mac Jones. 5-1 to one. could seem like the easy answer, but he should be the short shot over Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, for the upcoming NFL season. All right, thank you for joining us for another edition of Rush Hour. If you missed it, the play we're rolling with for tonight at least The New York Mets against the Cardinals. Best of luck, and we'll catch up again tomorrow here on Rush Hour.